with Southwestern Edge, right? When it was just coming out, I created, uh, I was creating the initial videos for kids, like in on my crappy iMovie before Rory Vaden was doing real ones of like the worst videos ever around like teaching, like, you know, basic skills, just hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty epic. Oh man, dude, I am excited for this one. This, I mean, I've been We're excited live, for all of them. By the way. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, I got it. Um, I, uh, I want to introduce our guest, Elia Cohen. Did yep. I say that right? Cohen, not Cohen, Cohen. Okay, cool. Dude, oh my gosh, just a pre, this is a warm up before we went live, just talking to you. I'm like, we're going to have a good, a good episode today. <laughs> they all have been great. Thank you to all the guests so far, but this one's a little different because I don't, just like the last few, I, I don't know you at all. I have yeah. no idea. I've never met you in my I, life. I think that's part of, though, like the coolest thing about selling books is you will meet someone completely random and then find out they sell books for, and then all of a sudden you have this like awkward tight relationship, <laughs> even though you have no idea who the hell they are. I was chatting with uh, this guy in, in Burien where I live outside of Seattle and he's uh, he's this chiropractor, super happy dude, super positive, great business. And then I was talking to Ron Alford and he goes, dude, you know that guy sold books, right? I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean he sold books? So I saw him at the coffee shop, you know, outside with our masks on and end up chatting for like another hour about some books. So I, I think uh, sometimes you just meet random people and it's like this weird, like brotherhood of like, of, of awkwardness and awesomeness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where you feel like, you know, people either way, you know, it's, it's just, it's just wild how we're just kind of bred that way, right? Like you can almost spot one. I mean, have you ever like met someone that you're like, they gotta be a book person that they weren't you're like whoa like there's it's almost like a breed of person that makes there there's weird. certain salespeople that i've run into where i where i where we discovered that they sold books based on that but mostly it comes up in conversation anyway but uh yeah i i think more for that it was um you find i always i did landmark as well and if you heard that stuff but like I, I would find and be like, oh, that person definitely did landmark, or that person definitely sold books. They're like, just ends up being certain breeds yeah. in the way they speak, or the yeah. certain words, or their tone in the yeah. way they, you know, speak in public speaking is kind of wild too. It's the same Dan Moore style, yeah. you know, intonation. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they'll say something like, you know what? I just got to persist until I succeed and just greet this day with love in my heart. And you're like, wait. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know. Oh, actually, that's that's my that's about my Portland story. That's what I was going to tell you about. Oh yeah. Um, I can you met some crazy right? people in Portland, like some random book people. This is a right? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Okay, it says my connection. Yeah, you might be a little delayed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's um, a, there's like a so I was in five Portland, second. I went to visit Will Metro. Right. I don't know if you ever met. Oh, dang it. Dang. Uh, we'll we'll not interrupt you. You tell your story. Okay, we'll okay let's hear about yours. Then. Okay, okay. Um, so <laughs> this is hilarious either way, but whatever. We'll just I'm just gonna tell the story and then the internet will come back. Um, if it hops me out, you guys can just keep chatting. I'll get back on as soon as I can. But okay, so I was in in Portland. Uh, uh, visiting Will Metcher. I don't know if you know Will, but Will's a stud yeah, book guy. I know Will. Um, hopefully, yeah, well, hopefully, we'll get him on the cast soon. But anyway, so he, uh, I was visiting, he asked some buddies that he needed me. 
Wow. Looks like he's in a <laughs> it's rough Goodbye, tonight. Andres. He's out of here. Well, we'll see him when he gets back on. Yeah, and how I can um, carry on the show to paraphrase his story here because I've heard it. Um, he was trying to hang out with Will Metcher and um, he was dating a girl at the time that lived in Portland and they wound up going to a bar. I don't know the details beyond he met somebody who was a bit older, like in their 60s or 70s, found out they sold books and it was like, whoa, no way. So um, that's that's where he like had this experience that, you know, it's, it's, it's like capturing magic in a bottle is what he was trying to do with this podcast is to try and recreate um, getting to know somebody over, you know, nothing but a cult that we all were a part of, right? So, yeah, um, I think that there were, you know, when I was in Colorado, it was interesting because, you know, I'd gone there to recruit and did, uh, and I ended up, you know, they always say like, hey, you should call their alumni, you know, have them come talk to your team meetings and I'll help you team member and find good people. And I ended up meeting Todd McCorder and uh, who's guy. amazing. I yeah. mean, just so, ended up being a good friend, just an absolute rock star. Yeah. Um, and there were like 10 different people that I ended up getting to know. They were like older alumni that were just really like unbelievable people. Yeah. And through them, you just, I mean, we've done all kinds of random business stuff for them and later on, you know, it's wild. That is pretty cool. So, um, you know, getting the chance to run into somebody is, uh, is pretty fun. And ultimately what we just like doing is just sharing the craziest stories of, you know, the book field. And uh, you were already telling us you got a whole bunch of those lined up, um, not just of your own, but because you helped manage orgs and stuff goes haywire with everybody's summer, which is why we think book people are so drawn to, you know, what this podcast can be, right? It's just like a crazy, crazy story fest. Um, obviously, we, we want to talk about anything else that you feel um, important to share to such an audience, but uh, um, I don't know if you want to start out at the start or really just dive in anywhere else in your book story, but um, how long ago did you sell some books and for how long and what got you into it? And I remember you saying you're over there in Iowa, even though you're from Colorado. Yeah, so, I, yeah I grew So I grew in Boulder. And uh, went to school in the middle of, you know, a cornfield in Iowa, basically, this tiny little school. And this, uh, my freshman year, this dude, Zach, uh, he had, I guess, taken a year off. His name was Zach Boucher, or ja Zach Butcher, Boucher, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Zach, I just totally screwed up your name. Anyway, uh, nice dude. And uh, he was down on the red carpet in kind of our union area. And he's got his, like, you know, your little questionnaires. And I went up to him and I was like, started filling out a questionnaire and I go, so what is this? And he's like, got the books out and he goes, oh yeah, we sell educational books door to door. We're just like super direct. And I was like, that sounds stupid. <laughs> I would never do that. That is the dumbest thing anyone could ever do. Yeah. That is literally what I said. And then I filled out the paper with fake information saying I was a triple major, no, you're the you worst. know, 4.0, literally made stuff up. <laughs> but put her, and I didn't even put a real phone number. And he looked me up, called me on like my dorm phone because we still dorm phones. This is 2001, nice. right? Okay. Okay. I got a cell phone. People still have dorm phones, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so he called me and he's like, yeah, you're recommended for this industry. I was like, oh, it sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> had no idea it was off of that. And uh, No way. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, I go to the meeting and he, go, he starts running through. I go, I go, all right, like this sounds like 
there's obviously a lot of famous people because I was super naive at that point around like thinking like Kenna Starr was cool or something. (laughs) The voice of passion. So anyway, yeah. But I was like, okay, if all these famous people do it, it must be like like something they must have gotten out of this. And the dude was, you know, confident compared to my like zero amount of confidence. I think he was going on like his third summer. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, I, I just was like, yeah, this sounds awesome. Talked to my mom who was like, hell no, you're not doing that. And, <laughs> and she basically, my mom was like, look, I want to talk to other like kids' moms that have done this. Randomly, who does he give me the number of? This girl, Kia Alkema, who is Kia Chandler, who happened to be the number one dealer that last year. So she talked to her and she's like, oh yeah, her only regret was she bought too many cars. And I was like, okay. And I was like, go uh, for it. And so the money's there. I was basically like, you know what? It's going to be an adventure. And I, I decided at that point, like, you know, I mean, Zach was a little wild. I was, you know, there were two of us recruited from the school, myself, my buddy, Owen, and we kept going to like these random things at Iowa. And I didn't really, at University of Iowa. And uh, it was you know, we had a five, six man team, all of us from that team, I think like probably four of us sold five or six summers from that team. So Zach didn't continue on after that, but the rest but of us should have five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine summers. So Dang, you know, he, he obviously picked good people. Yeah. Right folks. Well, that's cool. And uh, that was back in 2001. Right. And yeah. Where did you go sell for that first summer? Uh, so I was uh, Posey County, Indiana, which is the meth capital of the United States. Oh, that's what they all say. Come I know. <laughs> so it was, uh, uh, yeah, so I mean, it was pretty wild because, uh, you know, my first, you know, basically they're like, hey, you know, you've got your sales talk, go knock on a random door, go get a permit. And I was like, I don't need a permit. <laughs> like, I just didn't basically follow any of the rules. So I went that, you know, that first day and, uh, my very first house, I knock on it. And the, literally the late, there's the first door and the lady goes, oh, are you selling books? Like, oh, you guys haven't been here in eight years. I've wanted to get them. And I was like, <laughs> this job is so easy. Right. Everybody so then after it. that, my approach was, yeah, pretty much you probably know someone from like eight years ago. It just like slammed door in my face for like, you know, forever. <laughs> but, uh, but it was definitely, um, you know, po- it was, and then very, very quickly, the uh, the police officers and sheriffs kicked me out of town for not having a permit and yeah. learned a hard lesson and sold in the country the rest of the summer. Uh, the country is the best though. Did you sell better in the country or in city turf? Uh, I mean, my first summer, you know, realistically, like my first summer, I wasn't someone who was just like, hey, I'm going to go, I need to do 30 demos every day. I didn't keep track of a single stat because I didn't, I didn't know any better. I, I looked at Southwestern, you know, as a, as it was an adventure, right? Like oh my God. I was just going to keep working and knocking on doors and I didn't like people, you know, my manager would be like, why didn't you get 30? So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to make up my numbers because wow. why would I care to get berated by this dude <laughs> when, when I'm selling books anyway? So I lit, and I love the recognition, but I, my first summer, I literally made up every number. So I just remember him literally going, Eliab, so how many demo, how many sit downs did you have today? I was like, oh, like 37. You're like, my numbers made no sense either. You know, and, uh, yeah. and eventually, you know, no one ever called me out because I had started crushing it only because I kept working, right? So it wasn't, 
that I, I, I just literally looked at my whole summer as like, this is fun meeting ridiculous people. And like, I'm not giving up. I'll find a way to do it. And I'm just going to go with some like crazy conversations with people. And that's all I did. And so, I mean, it, uh, I never found that like 30 demo thing. Like, I was just like, just keep going and you'll make yeah. money. I'm never going to be number one doing that way, but can you be top 10, top 15, top 20? Of course. <laughs> of course. So that's how you were your entire career or just that first summer? No. So my, so my first summer, because I didn't know any of my stats, my second no summer, I was like, Oh God, not like lead by example. And, <laughs> you know, and of course my second summer we're selling in California. So go Posey County, Indiana. Yeah to San Francisco, right? So um, I, I was really nervous those first couple of four, four weeks because I was just trying to get demos in. And finally, like I was just selling like 200 units a week, getting my ass kicked. It was the previous summer I hit four or 500 in a week and wow. was a top first year, you know, top 30 or something first year. And uh, um, I was just getting my butt kicked. And finally, Chris was like, my Chris Fugman, he goes, Eliab, stop trying to just do demos and like, be good just go have fun and do what you do so and all of a sudden like, i started producing. go back to your old ways yeah and then and then all of a sudden it went from like that was like week seven or week six and then all of a sudden like i did 1200 units in six weeks and then week seven got back on my game and then week eight hit uh 940 and then 850 and then oh and then i didn't have i was just under more like 990 so 980 wow. so i tripled my summer in the last three weeks that's bad because i stopped focusing on that so eventually i got to the point like i understand why do demos yeah but, scalability and all that yeah but it wasn't about uh i think that you know in all sales it doesn't matter what you're selling if you're having fun like and you're enjoying it you're gonna kick ass absolutely right Hopefully Andres can uh, can join us for real this time. Um, I might have to go and let the dogs out or let, let the dogs back in. I, I let them out right before this episode. So Andres, are you with us? Yes, I am. I just I just decided to come on my phone because my Wi-Fi is being terrible, but now I'm on my phone. Um, do I need to try this way? Yeah, that's better. Yeah, oh, so oh. we were just talking about um, the first and second summers and how, you know, going from like – just looking for swing sets, you know, sl slinging, yeah. swing set by swing set, right? And then yeah. pre-approach and demos and how that just kind of clogs up the system. So that's kind of- Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I could hear you guys, but I was, my, my sound was glitching in and out. And so I could, so I was catching up through, I love, uh, I love that story of your first summer, you kind of just went and did whatever. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to just go jam. <laughs> yeah, but you have to understand, I mean, I remember like, there was this, I can't remember who he was, but I remember that first week, like I'd got my ass kicked, right? Yeah. And I'd sold like, I think I had four customers and like only one like gave me money. And this other kid, his name was Eric. I don't remember his last name. I'd probably find him in, in somewhere, but he had 30 customers his first week. And I was like, that dude isn't <laughs> even cool or good looking. Like what the hell? And I saw, you know, I'd worked 85 hours and I was like, whatever, you know? And eventually I was like, all right, if that dude can do it, I'm just going to outwork that dude and just work harder and more hours and I'll find a way to beat him. And by week three, my first summer, I was crushing him, you know, but it, you know, so he had a fast start, but it was just like the, the habit setting, but it wasn't the habits of like, 
oh, do 30 demos. Oh, get out in 20 minutes. It was, I'm going to have a positive attitude and have fun and enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep going and meeting people to whatever freaking hour it is. And that's like what I've done throughout my whole sales career. I've never been like, I have to do this exact number because I know it doesn't matter. I know it's really just like having fun and being in like your attitude being infectious on people just works. People get excited, yeah. you know? It, it, what was it? It's, there's like last 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 case scenario it's hard to say no to smiling idiot or whatever it's like if you're just having a ball then it's like you can just enjoy it um you yeah. you what what ways did you like have fun in the book i mean everybody's kind of ha has like different ways that they message Mrs. jones like for as an example my my brother and i would sometimes pretend like he was a mute like mark Rao gave us that one one time we pretended like he didn't he was selling but he didn't speak spanish so i was his interpreter and so I was like, hi, are you the mom? This is Danny. Danny's the one selling books and like just a third person. It was so, did you do anything like that for fun while you were out there in the um, book field? You know, I, I, I guess maybe I probably wasn't as that fun, but uh, I think the <laughs> most, the most fun I had was screwing with people in demos. So my, there was a, there was one summer, my buddy, Nick Roy, who, who I recruited out of UConn and Nick Roy, you should have Mons on him. He's a famous magician now what and uh okay so, we gotta get him on <laughs> so that summer nick i recruit nick nick and i are living together and i was a professional magician back in high school right so we had connected <laughs> over magic and how i recruited him and so we're living together and we start like buying 50 100 magic tricks online to like learn stuff to screw with people while we were selling, right? To have like fun. Yeah. So no the first way. one we get is this, is uh, I've actually been teaching my five-year-old do it. It's uh, it's how to float things, right? So <laughs> it uses, I'll tell you the secret because you can look it up online. It's called IT line. It's an invisible thread, okay? Right. So you put a piece of tape behind your ear and then it's this thin piece of, it's so thin you cannot see it. And you hook a little with wax to your thumbnail, right? So I'd be in the middle of a demo, I'd go, now let me tell you what's really amazing about these. <laughs> these are actually magical books because the pages turn themselves. That's you guys ready? <laughs> and I put it on the on there, and all I do is move my hand like this, and the page yes. was and they would, they'd always buy I mean, it was just like being dumb, but I remember coming back to deliver the books, and the mom, dad's not there who had bought them with the kids, and mom goes. So these are like magical books or something. <laughs> like, no, I mean, that's so I mean, yeah, so we, we would screw up people that way. I mean, I definitely, you know, had my, whenever I'd run into some old person, I would just only speak Spanish because I thought yeah. it was funny until the point that they would go, I don't speak English, your uh, language. I'd be like, oh, I didn't realize like you spoke English. I'm so sorry. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's but, epic, man. <laughs> but you know, eventually um, it came off that a lot of that having fun was just like, actually my attitude sucked, to be honest. You know, like you end up like trying to do things that at the expense of other people, just trying to like, get yourself out of funk, even though you're in, that's causing you to kind of be in that funk, like overly sarcastic with people. But the, uh, the only other really funny one that happened was, um, uh, do you guys remember Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you know how he runs with like his arms at his sides and he like <laughs> runs ridiculous. So I had, uh, I don't remember, someone was following me and I, the guy like goes, no, I'm going to go, all right. And I put my hands on my side and turn around, start to run. And I trip on my book bag and yeah. just, just eat it. 
eat it straight into this man. He's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm just gonna lay here a minute. So that was the last time I did a Napoleon Dynamite run. That's awesome, like, man. Uh, selling books. But you know, I, and I think also just having like, like screwing with kids. Like I love screwing with seniors in high school who are straight A kids who are like too good for you to be there. And it'd be like some, you know, like very smart, obviously like straight A student valedictorian. And I would pull out the Mufus and just go, yeah, just, so do you know you're like- Yeah, um, right. <laughs> like, just Our program starts you, basic. Yeah, you knew they weren't gonna buy. You might as well just like have fun for a moment and be like, I'm just kidding, I'll see you later. You know, but, um, but uh, and then just asking people about random stuff in their house. You know, like, like where'd you get where'd you get that situations? Like... Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, you know, um, there... other than that, like I just had, I just thought it was fun to. I really bought into the positive affirmation and did that constantly. And yeah. I just, I still, I it was it was an adventure meeting weird people every day. Yeah, yeah. I love that about selling in upstate fun, New York when yeah. people have like owl mailboxes and. Like their their house is totally just disgusting, but they love nature, so they've got like a four wheeler you can hop on and ride around. You know, it's just like, what's the adventure today? You know? Yeah, oh, we yeah. so we used to when uh, I don't think it was Taylor Strolls, this girl used to be in uh, my org, um, sold like four summers, but she would take the mufus to like seniors, what you were talking about, and she'd make tell them it was uh, scratch and sniff, scratch, and, so she would right. scratch and then just like, oh man. So we used are... to put actual lemon. We would really screw with people. We take lemon and you put that in the mufu. So for the kids, you the kids, you show me, you go, go, yeah, they're scratch and sniff. And then you go, but it smells like lemon, right? So the kids are like, no, it smells like lemon, mom. Like, <laughs> that's like you gotta, so good. You gotta, that I did good. throw a lot of books. I mean, like, I'd be like, yeah, demo? You're, yeah, you're like doing your demo. You're yeah. Like, yeah, like, you know, at the door trying to do a demo, you're like, and the best part you use is a frisbee. I just like chuck the move from <laughs> as far as I could. And they would just kind of be like, all right, <laughs> I might you on it. And like, you know, I mean, I, I really just like enjoyed, I think making kids laugh and having fun with them. And like little, oh, that was the other one. Anytime there would be some like girl in high school, I would just always say, hey, oh, my daughter's not gonna come down. Tell her there's a hot college student downstairs you're like what i'm like go to just be like there's some like hot college kid here you should meet him and and, and then she'd come running down her <laughs> you know you know i mean th that's where but i was always fairly authentic about it you know yeah. like i really yeah. wanted to get to know them and really you know have fun in in, in actually yeah. helping people but not yep. just have a service mind dad just because it was and i enjoyed it I, i'm like one of those weird people that like actually enjoyed selling books like there were down yeah. moments right but like right. for the most part i really did just enjoy it it was a weird yeah. how long were you with southwestern uh so i sold for nine summers gotcha. um and uh you know my my last summer the only reason i came back was you know henry bedford had become the ceo he convinced me my seventh summer to come back and you know and to work with him and doing some some different stuff around um with some really cool strategic stuff Southwestern was doing. Yeah. So I used to fly out there every two weeks. It's really fun. And then I was like, I went hot air ballooning with him and he got me into hot air ballooning because he said, if you're in the top 10, I'll take you flying. And I was like, nice. done. 
So I was, <laughs> I was number seven, so I got to go flying. And then I was like, well, I have to come back another summer to buy a freaking hot air balloon. So now I need like 40 grand to buy a damn hot air balloon. And so that was my last summer. I worked on the beach in, uh, in, in Mark Rouse neighborhood. Jacksonville. Wow. In Jacksonville, right? Yeah. All Contravitor Beach and, you know, all Jacksonville Beach. And, uh, and I literally worked to buy a hot air balloon and take a trip to Cuba. That was all I wanted to do. We were going to, we skipped Sizzler and went to Cuba. So I so went cool. down there two days in Wade Floyd and I, and, Wait, uh, and what? literally ditched Sizzler and got flights to Havana. That's so cool. Left. But wow. that was what I sold. That was my only goals that summer. Buy a hot air balloon, go to Cuba. All right. That's so crazy. That's awesome. Definitely a strong Listen, enough why, that's for sure. Ah, it was strong enough until you make enough money where you can buy a hot air balloon in the middle of the yeah. summer. You like find a lady who'll sell you one for like nine grand. <laughs> so it was motivating, but it also only to a point, right? Yeah, for sure. So, you know? so, so you, your first summer was 01, and then you sold through then 2010. No, 2009. Um, Wait. 2010 was my last summer. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. then that was 10 summers. Yeah, so my first no. summer was the same year as Matt Atchison. Yes, yeah. and Matt Atchison. I just remember him being in the superstar or in that with, you know, with his hair, his yeah, curly hair, and I was like, <laughs> he's my arch nemesis. Like I never right. met the dude. Such a nice guy, but I was like, I'm gonna beat Matt. Like this is his oh. alma mater right here. So that's I met Matt right before my first summer because he came and gave us a campus talk, and I was like, who's this guy wearing a? a Crazy like Tom shirt. James, his suits were so. I love the suits that he picked out. Yeah, he had yeah. a good Tom James. He's got flair, that's on. for sure. Dude, yeah. Matt's a stud. Matt, for whatever reason, he ends up watching this. Dude, you're a freaking stud. Legend. Come on, that's pretty awesome. come join us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so. 01 through 2010, and then you went in, into the uh, hot air balloon business. Have you guys talked about this yet, or, did, or was this when I was trying to reconnect? Mm -hmm. oh, okay, tell us about what you're doing now, and then like. Maybe if you want to tie in for any, maybe first year watching or something like that, for whatever reason they might be watching is like how you use your self-listener skills to kind of help you with what you're doing now. And like, yeah, what, it's, what, uh, you know, so it's yeah. So I have two different companies. Um, the, I own a hot air balloon company, which is hilarious that that's why I came back my last summer. Henry got me. Yeah, into that's epic. And I got, <laughs> and, and I'll tell the story of how I got into ballooning with Henry in a second, because that was wild, but but basically, I, I did uh, SaaS businesses for a big billion dollar companies, worked with a bunch of book guys that are recruited into those companies too. And I was like, I just don't want to sell like SaaS products and work my butt off for someone anymore. I was like, I just want to do my own thing. And I love ballooning. So I was like, how hard can starting a hot air balloon company be? Surprisingly easy. <laughs> and uh, so in basically in five years, we became the top in the Northwest. And this last year, so now I've got six, eight, 10, 12 person hot air balloons. We have a fairly Dang. large operation in the Northwest flying in front of Mount Rainier. And this last year, um, I ended up uh, meeting the guys from Amazon from, they were doing the movie, The Aeronaut on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah. And I met the head of the studios and they said, I, I said, have you ever been to hot air balloon? And they said, no, I go, do you guys want to come fly with me tomorrow? So I like, you know, you do good things to just do them. You don't expect something out Amen. of it, right? Yeah. Just do it because it's fun to help people. And I wanted them to, they, I mean, the movie is terrifying about a gas balloon in like the 1800s, right? <laughs> like terrifying experience. Like nothing like ballooning is like. And 
after the, during the flight, I explained, I want to help young people get into ballooning. And she goes, well, how much, you know, how, what stops you from getting to ballooning? And I said, it's expensive. And so young people can't get in, but I really want to help young people get in. She goes, do you want some hot air balloons? Sure. <laughs> and it was literally, they said we had this promotional one from Amazon and uh, from the movie. And she goes, do you want it? And I said, yeah, That's I awesome. would love that balloon. And yeah. I said, I'd love to help young people. And she goes, do you want some money to help young people get into <laughs> ballooning? And I said, yes. And she goes, can we brand it Prime Video and Amazon Studios and Aeronauts? I said, that sounds awesome. And I now have a corporate balloon gig where we, with the support of Prime Video and Amazon Studios, we help young people between 16 and 25 with a focus on women get their hot air balloon license for free. So, that's right. Freaking that's awesome. dope. Yeah. Great so, connection right there. So anyway, so that's, uh, um, and then from there, during the balloon business, uh, that first year I had live chat on my website, right? And the uh, people kept asking the same question, dumb questions, like how much does it cost? You know, right. Can I book a ride? And I was like, ah, how do I automate this? I don't want to talk to anyone. So I built an AI chat bot and uh, eventually it answered every question. I became one of the top specialists in the world in building AI chatbots. Now I build them for public companies and giant enterprise and uh, natural language where you can ask any question. It pulls from the content of your site and gives the actual answer. That's badass. Uh, and it's amazing. But What? Uh, so basically think about this. <laughs> That's so, so freaking cool. So let's say you have a, a site with like, I don't know, like, a giant company, right? Let's say like any, any site, you take Southwestern, right? We could take Southwestern site and I, you could ask any question and any blog post, anything they've ever done. You could say, you know, who is the top number one student in 1968? And if that was on the site, it would tell you. Or That's if you awesome. said, what's a positive affirmation? It would tell you. Or if you said like, hey, name four alumni that are senators it would tell you who they were That's because it's so honestly cool. No freaking way. Wow. That is so cool. cool. So here's what's wild with the tech and how it fits into Southwestern. <laughs> so when I first started building bots, basically a chat bot, when it hits a site, you need an opener, right? An opener is something that is contextual. Hey, welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like so, so most people, their openers are like, welcome to our site. We're idiots. You know, like, or <laughs> yeah. you want to talk to us. <laughs> So I started like, I go, well, why don't we just do something contextual? So the hot air balloon site, I said, want to see us flying from a front of a volcano? Yeah. Well, Mount Rainier is a volcano. 30% of all people clicked on it. That's cool. And I was like, well, genius. That's interesting. So it's so, a way to engage people first, get them familiar with the chat process. So think you... about Southwestern. Oh, wow. This is what's so cool about what I, because I use this skill every day and what, you know, I build bots. So think about when you're selling books, right? Your first day you go up to a house in your first year, you have no skills, right? So you, use right. The, you just say, hi, my name's Eliab. I'm sitting down with all the parents and teachers with kids in school, showing some educational books. Everyone's getting out with homework right. in the fall. Apologize, talking real fast. Got a place to sit down, right? And you get in only a couple doors. Then you go, oh, if I use like, if I know what school they go to, it helps. So then you say, hi, my name's Elle. I'm sitting down with all the parents and teachers at Brentwood Academy. You guys are at Brentwood, right? Now right. think about how that fits into a bot. Because I can read your IP address, 
I know what company you are from. I know 60 attributes about you. It is like Dang. unlimited pre-approach, right? So, so <laughs> That's let's, crazy. So let's say you come to the site, right? I work with this company uh, that does, uh, it's a company that's about to go public, so I can't talk about the names, but basically it is, they do medical devices for like ultrasound stuff, right? And they, uh, so when someone comes to the site, I know if they're a hospital. I know mm. if they're an anesthesiology office. I know if they're an ENT. Wow. I know, so I can literally say in the chat bot, hey, we've all, we're really excited to talk to the Children's Hospital of Ohio around your ultrasound technology in giving better readings for your emergency room. That is literally like saying at the door, hire you, Sarah. Great. You, you guys who are Brentwood Elementary School with blank, 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 and blank. Hey, you know, all these other people, it's like ultimate context. Incredible. Right? So, so when I look at selling books, everything was context. Well, when you're building bots, it's the same thing. So it's not just in the opener. It's then asking closing questions. It's using the choice of yeah. two positives. It is literally. So Eliav, question for bots. you then. Question for you then. This is from Larry Anderson. How do we know that you're not a chat bot that's just answering questions right now? Hmm? I am a, you know, what's funny <laughs> if we, if you guys take the transcript from this, mm. you could literally, we could put it into a chat, but if you guys want to, if you do the transcription, I do mine on grain and stuff to get transcriptions from these. I haven't done that yet. So you could, you know, or you could farm it out. We could literally have a chat bot that takes every single one of these and say, tell me a funny, tell me a good pony story. Tell me about people who sold in California. You could ask any question awesome. or literally yeah. answer it. That's so cool. That's so, so cool. Holy so, moly. So, that's the, so the context side of that is, is freaking wild, right? And it gets deeper and deeper as you start to look at how do you design bots for sales to like ask closing questions or use intent. So like you can yeah. test the water, right? Just like you would in selling books. And uh, trial, trial close, yeah. And then, and then the same thing happens in ballooning, right? When you're ballooning, you land on a random people's yard, right? <laughs> like literally you don't know where you're going to land. That's Although so if funny. the FAA is listening, they're all designated landing spots. And I know exactly. And I always <laughs> okay. Now that I've said that. So we Quite land a lot here. of the same spots. Like you try to form relationships, right? But here's what's funny. When I, when I went flying with Henry, that first flight went up to 10,000 feet, right? with his son at the time in the dark. We, we almost landed at Naomi Judd's house because there are all these celebrities. And like we ended up landing in this like random person's backyard, right? Well, Henry's go-to was, we were running a little low on fuel. I hope it's okay we land, we take the balloon down here. Great opener, right? Yeah. Great opener. Well, when you do it every day, you look really bad if that's your, if people always think you're out of fuel, right? Yeah. So I, so I started, I would land somewhere and I would, someone starts coming up there huffing and puffing. It's like a pissed off person at the door, right? Huffing and puffing and they're already pissed. And you just <laughs> landed your balloon in their backyard around their yeah. horse. <laughs> and, and what I, and, and I was like, I got to find, so I would just go, if they were like, you know, pissed, I'd be pissed. But I'd be like, man, I'm, I hope it's, my name's, I'm so sorry with that. I hope it's okay, okay that we land here. I'm really sorry that, you know, the horse are a little scared, but, you know, I, I was just really nervous because our power line's up here. And for safety, I really <laughs> need to just make sure, I really hope it's okay for a safety perspective. Yeah. It's okay that we chose to put it down here. 
and they would change a little bit. So then all of a sudden my tune changed because I discovered an app. Now the app is gold. And I started giving it to book people and they didn't even understand how cool it was. Like, I don't know why they didn't get it. It tells you everyone's freaking name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a plot, Wait, right? What? So Onyx Maps tells you, it's a hunting app, tells you everyone's damn name, right? Wow. Okay. So fast forward two summers ago, I get this app, right? And I'm telling all these Bulgarian guys about it. I was like, guys who are selling books, I'm like, use this. It's like For names, yeah. bucks. You should do it. Like didn't understand it. And then eventually they started getting it. But I'd land in someone's property. And as I'm coming to land, I look up everyone's name. Yeah. <laughs> so I land. Tell me if this Hell sounds yeah. familiar. Oh, hey, are you John? Oh, awesome, man. <laughs> I have always wanted to meet you and land here. I don't know if you know that like Carol and the Deathsworth, and you probably know like the Johnson. And, and I don't know if you know the dairy farmers over here, the Keelers, Keelers Dairy, but man, you have such a beautiful problem. I've always wanted to land here. Would you be okay if we take the balloon down here? That's Tricking funny. Your southwestern sales are right. It's like it's really the same thing. And then what do you do? So when you when would you approach these people? Like when I as you're I, hovering above them, or what? I have, I have, I'm either hovering. Well, if you're hovering above their yard, you just yell <laughs> down and go, "Hey, John." Would you be okay if I landed over here? Yeah. There's no Too idea bad. who you are, right? Like, this dude obviously knows my name. <laughs> like, so I'd want every once in a while, you'll have someone, you'll have some books, and they'll go, How do you know my name? Right? Yeah. 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 Out. I've been talking you know, to everybody. Dude, there's an app for that. Let me show you. And I literally awesome. the app and start. I go, Here's all your neighbors. Isn't this an awesome? Do you, are you a hunter, man? Check wow. this out. Wow. Like, it is, it's literally just, like, and then you used to have, you show them your photos. It's like a demo, right? Nice. And the whole goal is when you land there to get to keep that landing spot forever and to get it as a new launch location. Yeah, get them to, to fly with Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dude, a I recruiting process. Doors to find places to launch. So my opener for knocking on doors is I go, I find a big old area on, on my map and I go, I'd like to launch from there. And I knock on the door and I go, Hi, my name's Eliab. I'm actually the, I don't know if you've seen the hot air balloons around ever. Yeah, yeah I'm actually the balloon pilot. And uh, every once in a while, the winds move in different directions. We're always looking for really fun places to launch. People might not mind it. You guys have such a cool yard. Would you be ever okay <laughs> if we were like, just launched a balloon from here sometime? If the wind was right? You want me to text you before it? And everyone says yes. That's of so course. Cool. I'd want to see that. Like, what? That's awesome. Who doesn't want a hot air balloon in their yard? So anyway, right. I use all this Southwestern skills. Hopefully that was contextual, but I use yeah. the context of, of approaching in the sales skills specifically in building bots every day and in ballooning and even in the way you sell balloon rides, right? I'll, I'll, I'll get them excited about it, tell them how amazing it is, ask them some questions. And then I... And then I just text them photos of like epic photos. <laughs> I'm like, just go online and book. I don't even want to take their order over the phone anymore. I like hate closing people with the phone anymore because it takes too long. Really? I'd rather them just go to the site and like book. Yeah. And, you know. That's so freaking awesome, man. So you've been up to wow. up to that for how long now? Running, so the, running things the on there. I started the balloon company six years ago. And then the bot company, uh, this will be our my third year building bots, but it'll be our a year and a half in. So in a year and a half, we went from, I had never gotten a client, right? For doing chatbots. I just built one for my balloon company. So you do it at what well, you do in new territory, right? You go, 
Well, I'll just knock on some doors. So I found the largest balloon companies in America, cold called them and just said, hey, I'm a balloonist in Seattle. I built this cool thing. Do you want it? I'll charge you five grand a month for it. Got them to sign up. Obviously, it didn't Done. work well because it was early on. They didn't understand what I was doing. And then very quickly, I, I was like, well, I guess I'll do this for B2B clients. And then within a year, we started signing up public companies. So now we've got three Fortune 100 companies that we build bots for. And nice. then about a hundred other That's clients that are mostly like mid-market enterprise. Like I'm talking like, you know, a couple hundred salesperson raised 150 million. Yeah. That's our kind of our core market that we build for now. But, wow. That sounds badass. We'll have to yeah, say so it. Balloon in the morning, <laughs> do chatbots all day, sell chatbots, be building them, working mm -hmm. with some like giant team. And then at night I'll go and balloon again. So this summer I've got so three cool. pilots. So I can just go fly the prime video balloon every once in a while. Cause it's fun. And you know, who doesn't want to fly the Amazon balloon? And, yeah. uh, uh, and then do some other, you know, working on the business. I have a couple partners, you know, for both of them now. But. Super could rad. you, could you uh, send us uh, at some point the link to your websites and to your, like all that stuff. So anybody, any, any, any uh, uh, alumni that sees us in the Seattle area could. Uh, yeah. It's a, so, so my old site for the bot stuff used to be called ultra cool .io Cause it was like the greatest, my yeah, favorite positive right. affirmation was like, I'm ultra, ultra cool. cool. You know? Jeez, you're so lame <laughs> super lame dude super lame but my kids don't worry my kids every morning i have my five-year-old and two-year-old they go all right let's do positive affirmations well that's my son awesome. will go i'm that's cool. funky fresh and then my other son will go i'm a badass yes. and then my other son goes i'm amazing i'm incredible i'm vivacious i'm unstoppable and then will go that's awesome i'm a i'm a napkin and i'm like mm, can't <laughs> totally get those yet but, but you know what I, so i named it ultra cool and realized public companies i felt like an idiot with my name being called ultra, ultra cool. cool so we rebranded and now we're the bot lab so it's the botlab.io so that's the uh um yeah bot lab and then the, the botlab.io that's the bot company and then uh, we're building a couple of different systems depending on people need like, uh, you know, massive Salesforce, Marketo integration, that kind of stuff with routing for sales reps in real time. Um, notifications versus people who have like e-com sites who don't want to talk to anyone. Well, then you can just answer every single question. So we build that for a lot more e-com sites or, um, you know, people who don't, they want people to just buy online, right? But still need questions answered. So, and then well, the blue in the chat. If you're out in Seattle, you can fly. Yeah. That is so awesome, man. If I'm in Seattle, I gotta hit you up and, and dude, and... I'll, I'll throw you in a balloon. You, either of you guys want to come out to Seattle? I I take no, it I will. once I get to take random Southwestern people a book, and it's fun. And I get to take them flying, but uh, otherwise, I'll just take you guys up. If you want to come fly, I'll throw you in a balloon. Yeah, so, I well, I'm yeah. in because I I gotta I I need an excuse to go to Northwest to go see Will Metro again. Oh, that's what I was telling you about. That's. Whenever you guys yeah, are I, I told the story for you, but if you want to share some actual details, that might be helpful. Oh uh, yeah, I'll just do like the shorter version then. But it, it was because we were talking about what why we started this podcast. Um, and I just it, Will introduced me some book guys, old book guys, Jane Jacob Schultz Schultz, I think. Uh, we I asked him what his favorite place in town was, and we went to this brewery called Prost and. Uh, in order to get like on the wall you could get a plaque on the wall if you had like a certain benchmark in like the in the loyalty program so you have to drink like 500 of these like giant dark german bach beers like just massive and so we were sitting at a table you know it was packed back in the days when it was amazingly packed and it was beautiful when people were out 
and um, a year ago, and um, <laughs> there was this plaque and it had his name on it. And so when you could, when you picked your name, you could also put like the, obviously you could put like a quote and his quote was, I will persist until I succeed. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's, that's awesome. epic, bro, because people are going to see that and they didn't sell books and they'll go, oh, that's a cool quote. But people who see that and then they, they're going to know this guy, this guy sold books and then they're going to connect with you. Some people are going to reach out to you. It'll happen. And when it happens, it's going to be a great story. That is so that's kind of like, what inspired I was sitting there and I, I sold the story on the podcast before, but essentially I was just super bored and I'm extroverted as hell. And I needed a way to reach out. I think subconsciously I was like, I just need to talk, make a connection. And the best way to do that is when I meet someone who sold books that I haven't talked to. And mm -hmm. so that's where the idea was born. And here we are, man. <laughs> what, would, what would you say of, you know, you've done a lot of these so far. What would you say is your biggest takeaway from talking to all these folks? If there was one thing you'd say that like, this is the biggest takeaway I talked from interviewing all these people. What would you say it is? Are, are, are you talking about like with the relationship to how the podcast is developed yeah, or just like me personally? I mean, in general, like what would you say is your biggest, like the things that you've really learned that were substantial or took away from it? Um, a couple of things, good and bad. That's, this is a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, uh, the, the, I'll start with bad and then end with good. So we end on a good note. Uh, bad is the first thing I noticed is how often people say that they stayed one summer too long um, about Southwestern in general, which tells me something is wrong there with like the, or maybe, maybe it's not anymore, but because a lot of the people we've talked to sold books like at least 10 years ago, that's yeah. how, a couple were more recent, but um, well, the ones that were more recent didn't say that the ones that were like sold books a while ago, almost all of them have said like, the only person that was a while ago was, Eliav and uh, and Larry so far. Everyone else finished within the last four or five years. Well, and funny right. enough, I was the one that told Sydney year after year after yeah. year. I think her fourth her summer on, she should stop selling books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love Sydney. She's awesome. But literally every year I'd be like, are you sure? Do you really yeah. want to? Because you probably shouldn't. Like, right. you know, but I, you know, and Sydney's amazing. You know, she's such an incredible woman. But, you know, it's uh I, I definitely follow you. I mean, there was a lot of, I, I, st I was the person on the alumni side that was just like, Hey, you don't have to, like there are other opportunities. If you're getting your ass kicked and you got crushed and your whole team left, like, dude, you can choose to try and like redeem yourself awkwardly at a company, or you can go and get a job for 120, 150,000 hours a year and go enjoy your life. Yeah. They, and that's they, why they I really sell that redemption that day. I was like, <laughs> right. go enjoy your life. Like, you know, I, I think that, uh, and I, I think Southwestern is amazing until the point where you've decided, like, that's it. Like, I'm done. You're not yeah. motivated. There's no getting you re-back motivated. And so I think yeah. that a lot of people just tried to keep them around because they thought that was helpful. But really, it actually makes the whole organization healthier when they go on to do something just, else. Yeah. Yeah. And and you keep better relationships. So, so uh, to continue on with, the, yeah. with your question and, and more of a neutral ground, I would say, and the reason I, I say people who were around a while ago is because I think something happened. I may be completely wrong about this, but I it just know it seemed to me that something happened at the end of the 2016 summer that kind of like revamped and like got the leadership and the company to kind of look at themselves and be like, what are we doing wrong? The people are leaving. Like the force organization had shrunk. It was almost yeah. gone. Um, like a bunch of other things like that, where it was like kind of toxic and I so I mean for like the people that sold before that time period where things have changed and I can speak to the changes because my brother's a DSM in, in there and then okay. so like so like I'm very uh, relatively aware of like what's going on or how people are now um 
but but so that was one thing but then on the positive end is that that change was made it seems to have like yeah. really like uh, impacted because one of the things that i also noticed is like the relationship that southwestern alumni have with southwestern is relatively good like nobody's really upset that they sold books most people would say that they're pretty thankful that the manager that got him into the company got him into the company yeah. but i can also say that there is definitely common thread for the people that sold that quit selling books before 2016 of like this like negative like vibe of almost like we were in a cult you know what i'm saying like, yeah, like I, this attitude you know, I, towards that i, I don't know that, what it is yeah i think there's something that um that southwest you know southwestern had to realize and it's probably some stuff with dustin as well that you know shifted some stuff you know but um right. i think that that they realize like these people are really well trained and and we don't want them to leave you know we want them to this as a literally like a farm to farm like amazing people and leaders and keep them in yeah. the companies and you can't do that unless you're there's too many other opportunities that it's how quickly the real deal is how quickly can you get their skill level up to get them to lead and GM in other companies because selling books, there's a limit, right? Whereas right. if you're selling, it's a one-time sale, but if you're, if you're someone who's building a book of business in the financial services or any of these other different companies, it's worth millions of dollars versus like this little, you know, twenty, yes. thirty thousand dollars of profit that year, and I think that yes. you know, I think that Southwestern, you know, I brought this up with Henry a long time ago. We talked about it when he was like, "Yeah, we need like Southwestern real starting companies, and we'll like find some way to put some money into them." I know Todd McCorder tried to do that too because I think if you took like the three of us or any three book people, you can basically have the skills to go sell stuff and go start a company. Yeah. You don't have the other skills needed which are a lot. And I don't have all those skills still. Like I hire people to do them. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that's where Southwestern had to quickly move was, Hey, can we help these people or start companies or have something that they want to go to and get them out of selling books while they're still not, when they're not burnt out, like when right. they're, when they're still excited, we can utilize them and help them be successful and keep them in the family. Cause I would have stayed right. probably. You know. Yeah. And so, and so on that note, there's like a couple of things that I've kind of like decided and, and, and well, like, at least from my experiences, for example, in my opinion, and this actually came out in a, in some sort of organization that does this stuff, but Southwestern is like, in my opinion, the best internship that you can do for yourself as a college kid in America, whether you're like personable oh, yeah. or not, like you should ever, I mean, I would encourage most people to at least go to an info session, maybe just even go to sales school, see if it's for them and then decide not to go. Um, however, and, and you were kind of mentioning this, if your plan is to be in Southwestern for a while, the success rate is actually relatively low. Like out of all the people that I ever sold books with, that I, that I, that I sold, that I sold books, Nick, don't give me that face. Let me finish. Out of, okay. out of, <laughs> out of, out of the people, my brother is the only person I know that became a DSM that was around when I sold. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? Like nobody that's a DSM. I mean, I mean, I knew Ryan Groom, but he was a little bit before me. AJ was a little bit before. Shane Blake's me. a DSM now. Shane Blake is a DSM now, and I guess Edgar, right? So there's three. Okay, but how many people did I freaking meet selling books? Why isn't there like a hundred DSMs, right? So for them, it's a fantastic career. And even still, we were actually talking about this with Josh and Steve Fadden that even relatively still, the money isn't that good. While my brother makes relatively good money, not only for people in Nebraska, but for people, you know. In the country, the average, the national average, if he had that team that he has now and the effort that he's putting into it every year, 
into like any other company or like some of the companies that I've even worked for or since, he would be murdering it. I'm talking about like millionaire, like yeah, mil- I, multiple million. That that happens all the time. And it was part of a, that was what I realized and why I ended up leaving was I realized even if I built this up, I could never sell it. And it wasn't yes. mine. And even okay, though so, I was kind of independent contractor, but employee, it was a little bit weird. And so I, um, you know, and it's funny because I almost actually worked with Dustin straight out of Southwestern with, uh, there was, it was when they were with Southwestern Consulting, they would find a company and get 30% ownership and like help recruit people, all kinds of different stuff. It's a really sure. cool model that they were doing. They still probably do some of that model, but, um, and it, we wanted to work together. And the only reason I didn't was, another guy offered me 150 K base to come and build this company with him. And I was like, yeah, like, of course yeah. I'm going to go, but I still at 75 K versus 40 K. I still for that, even though it was like $30,000 less, I was still willing to work with the Southwestern and with Dustin. And that's yeah. what I find interesting. That's how much strength that tie that bond has. It's worth about 30 K is that difference in yeah. after <laughs> 30 that bond were like, let's snip it. Right. Because you're yeah. like, I can make more money, buddy. But like, I, I think that, uh, yeah. Yeah. And when, and on that with what you just said, so I went to work for Primerica, um, after yep. it's a, you've probably heard of it. Um, and that is one of the things that sold me about them was because you could own it. Like after a certain while, like let's just call it the DSL, like they actually gave you full rights and ownership to your base. And so like you could sell it. Like if you quit or for example, say you died, your wife would get the business, which is like an interesting way of like um, modeling a company, but it worked wonders. I mean, it was such a good way of doing it. And so um, I would say Southwestern was probably, is probably is still the best internship ever, but uh, it's not necessarily the best career ever. And so that's a big distinction to make. But but Um, I also, you know, there is a fine line there though. If I look at like, if you want to make a difference with young people, Mm -hmm. with college age kids, there is no thing anyone could do that you get to make a more direct impact on someone's life in both like their finances and their relationships and who they are as a person. I think that's something to really be proud of. You know, I, I, I was really, that's why I stuck around for so long. Like, I love to be able to help and then see those people be successful. And um, yeah. that, that's that there is something that's amazing about it that you don't yeah. get at other places though, because people just don't care that much. Yeah. The, the enrichment of having that impact on a human being is definitely like, uh, I, I agree. My, my, I think that, in fact, that's why I think my brother a does well and B is still around because he, he probably knows that he can make more money somewhere else. But I think the impact that he has on the kids that he, that he works with and that he recruits, like they love him. If you, if you meet any of them they're they, it, the culture that he's created within his organization, which I'm sure is probably now all self-western, but specifically in his organization, like they wouldn't leave him because he's become such a good leader because his desire to pour into them. And so that they kind of goes tandem uh, in that. And so they, they, when you talk to them, they, they're very sharp kids. They're all really high caliber. They're good book kids. Um, and they don't have that feeling that, you know, some of the people that we've had on the cast had of like, yeah, I stayed too long or they definitely talked me into coming back. We've heard that quite a bit. Um, whereas now I don't, I don't think that that's happening as I'm sure they're still like trying to like work on retention, but generally speaking, I don't think that the, the guilt of leaving 
the feeling of like yeah, i'm gonna get shunned if uh, if i that's, leave that's that fomo smart. is no longer there yeah. yeah but i also you know i used to think when i left southwestern i was like oh man like these guys don't talk to me as much and all this stuff and i thought that was southwestern it's just actually any company yeah yeah like, <laughs> like but we don't know any different like it's hilarious like we all think we're like so special and like but yeah. i don't know you guys all probably work for other companies and you leave and like like i used to talk to people all the time and i never talked to them well yeah. It's just there's there there's not like a direct reason to always chat you know like you're still yeah. cool with each other like it's just if you see each other at the bar yeah you'll have a drink but it's not a it's funny Absolutely. how i used to think that that was a a unique thing to southwestern and uh that i used to be kind of bitter about that now i'm like oh no that's just every company so that's just how that's just how it rolls yeah yeah no that's absolutely correct that's a that's a fair observation and i like that you know again it so goes back to the point of like nobody would be upset with their manager for recruiting them like nobody looks back right. and goes you know i hated that experience or whatever like it changed our lives you know it, it, sometimes for rarely for worse but most of the time for better and uh yeah it, it's it's cool that we were part of it you know that's it's pretty that's that's you're you're absolutely right so so yeah. then you oh sorry go ahead nick you're on a steamroll andres <laughs> so um <laughs> when you're talking about success rates and like other companies and those sorts of things, um, it's a, it's an internship, right? It's not a career that Southwestern is that people get into first. It's an internship, you know, it's something that's meant to be uh, moved on from for the most part. And so what I found very interesting in like the life insurance field, which I spent last year, um, 2020 working in is that has like an 8% retention rate. Now, what does that retention rate mean and how long it applies to? I honestly don't know, but my understanding was that's the first year, only 8% continue forward. Now, I was always like told that 30% of first years quit and that kind of stuff. The truth of that, no fucking clue. Um, but it, to me, like the whole Trey George commit your first year to work with you, they're not going to quit no matter what type thing. Um, that's missing in at least life insurance, if not most other fields where, you know, people just quit left and right all the time because it's just not working out, you know? And so there isn't like this, this hardcore investment in some, like an agent as a person getting to know them, spending time with them outside of work, you know, that, that dynamic to me, um, even though the, the like success rate that you were talking about, Andres, of how there's so few DSMs, right? So few people make Southwestern a career. Um, but there's still a, a high retention rate um, compared to other sales gigs in terms of a successful first summer, I think. Um, I'm not sure, do you think that's true? I don't know if that really even matters in other industries, like it's okay if people quit because they weren't good at it, I don't know. I, I think you try to get those people to quit at other companies because they cost money. Exactly. Like yeah. base, if it's a ten, I think it's a different situation between a 1099 contractor versus, you know, I've, I've run sales for multiple, like director of sales for multiple companies. And I came in and I was like, this girl was a hairdresser and you hired her and she hasn't sold anything in three months. Can we fire her? Yeah, people don't. People aren't on top of like their actual agent or um, dealer production. Yeah, like, like so, some all. of those like you want to get rid of and like find. And I, I, it was a Mark Rao quote, which for good or bad, he goes, "You run with the thoroughbreds and you pet the donkeys." 
And I always, at first, I really hated that quote because I was like, that's such an asshole thing to say for Southwestern people. <laughs> but like, but in the real world, that's what you do. You run with your thoroughbreds and you pat the donkeys and you get them out and you find other thoroughbreds to build a qual- an organization that's jamming. If someone is just getting their ass kicked over and over and over again and can't make it work, that doesn't mean they're a bad person or bad salesperson. They just need to find a different company that has similar goals where they fit into those to be successful or something that they can get excited about, you know, or there's just other stuff going on in their lives, you know, that it just isn't a fit right now. And they should find something that's not sales. I mean, I don't, and I think I say that a lot to people when Southwestern people call and they go, or any friend, but especially Southwestern, they go, well, what should I do? Like, do you have any leads or jobs? And I go, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to do annoying enterprise sales? Do you want to do transactional sales? Do you want to do something fun? Do you want to have a bunch of red tape? Like, what do you want to deal with? And, yeah. and from there, you can give them 20 different things they can do and then you can connect them with. And I just, even if, and if they interview with five of my buddies, great. But I just want to, I'm like, do something that at least is half as fun as what you enjoy doing. And that's my rule. This is the rule you guys should make for your lives too, which everyone should. My rule is if anything isn't, if work isn't half as fun as hot air ballooning, I will not do it including any activity in that job, which is why I don't work. I'm a big fan of this input. This is very nice. Keep going. So if you have to look at least 50% as what you enjoy doing, building bots is 50% as fun. The second it is no longer fun, I'm done. I'm literally out. I work for big startups and I, I literally told this guy, Avi in New York, he'd hired me to like start his sales for his company and, you know, paid me a lot of money to fly out there every week. I was flying from Seattle to New York. And, and I go, Avi, I'm not willing to do anything that is not fun. <laughs> that is literally what I told him as part of the interview process. I'm like, I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to do busy work. And if something is not fun, I will not do it. You can find someone else to do that. And he was like, Elia, everyone has to do things they don't like doing. I said, no, I don't. I do not do that. I don't like doing it. And I go, if I don't like doing Salesforce, I'm not going to do my Salesforce stats. Now, if you can help me find a reason why I should do it, how it's going to help me, you can motivate me to do my Salesforce, right? But like yep. it, and eventually he tried to recruit me and I go, to be honest, Avi, selling this is not as fun as doing hot air ballooning. You cannot pay me any amount of money, any amount to have me not fly hot air balloons this next summer. And he said, are you sure? And I was like, yes. And he I went like, on to raise, I like this. <laughs> he went on to raise a shit ton of money. He's very Hell successful. Yeah. I would have made a good amount of money. And you know what? I wouldn't have had fun. And I have zero interest. And that's what I took away from selling books. If you are not enjoying what you are doing in your life, you're doing something wrong. And if you're at a job that is, you're not, it's not half as fun as what you enjoy doing. You should find something else or go start your own business or do something you're at least somewhat inspired about. You know, that's very Todd McWhorter advice. I remember that was Todd McWhorter and I are such good, are super good friends, and that's probably where I, he rubbed off on me. I lived with him for a while. We got to get Todd on the podcast. Todd's so cool. He's Give him a like, strong recommendation, Elia. Coolest. Oh, we're cool. You know who else? <laughs> who's all at same level? Who you need is Quail Hodak. Do you guys know Quail? No, I I've known about this guy for so, so long. Quail because, is a good buddy, but Quail yeah. is. 
Okay. Freaking, uh, I'll connect him. I mean, he sold his, I don't know what he's up for doing, but he sold this company for like 50 yes. or $100 million in the, you know, he talks about his whole experience going ups and downs, married a wonderful woman. And he had met at Burning Man. Like he, I mean, he is like <laughs> absolutely just a fun, funny, amazing, infectious kind of dude. And him and Todd McCorder, just like, you know, when you're ready for like that very deep, just fun level, like guys, that's, those, they're definitely good people. That's awesome, man. Okay. Hold on. So I, 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 I this is, these stories have been, first of all, I think we need to have you on in the cast multiple times because you have so much to, so much good input. This is like great stuff. Um, well, that's what, that's what I, I, mean, I watched some of the others and some of them are really cool and really good. And a lot of them are like, like, did you get off schedule? Like I, I mean, I one time like ate chips at a gas station, jalapeno cheddar <laughs> chips for like an hour, was so scared to knock on a door. This is my sixth summer. And then made myself go knock on a door, the most awkward demo ever, and then started working some more. Like that was my like being off schedule was like everyone goes through that. And one day going surfing and eating sushi my ninth summer after I'd already crushed and everyone went home. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go surfing and eat sushi. Those are, there was no like, it was mostly that's epic. To, to, it was epic, but um, <laughs> but but it was it was mostly like I look at those stories. I'm like, I had to pull those stories out of people to help them. Like that when they're telling their off schedule stories, that's yeah. after the fact. The powerful people in Southwestern are the ones that can like get them to own up to like going to four movies that week after they had a zero week, and they like had sex with some other kid in the org, and they own up to that. And then they go and sell 300, 400 units the first year. Yeah. That's what got me excited. And I've never been able to do that in an outside situation outside of Southwestern because those are not like, they're just personal issues people deal with. You can try, but they're not, it's not that same relationship. Yeah. You know, like what's stopping them? You can try to motivate them, but it was, you know, it's, I, I find that interesting. So I think on a lot of the podcasts you guys are doing, it's amazing of the stories, but it's, it's how you, take these things back into your life and apply them. And I think that's the difference of someone being successful out of Southwestern and someone sucking. You can sell yeah. books for nine summers. And I saw a girl do that who sucks at sales. And she did terrible when we recruited her to a company because she was comfortable selling books. Interesting. Whereas you, someone who sold books two, one, two summers, I know you're they just take the skills and they apply them and they use the and it's off to new challenges and new horizons yeah. and instead of staying in the same comfort zone yeah but and then there's also like nine, 10, 11 summer, and those people are always doing something fucking awesome i don't care who yeah. they are i don't know anyone who <laughs> sold eight nine ten eleven summers that doesn't like own their own company crushing it who is a lot of fun in life not that you have to do that but like I, those guys jam, you know, it's yeah, a different, that's a, it's a that's weird a, league of people. You just have a weirder skill set, you know, it's a different you know, caliber like, of person. Yeah. yeah. Like not, not, not like a better person, but just a different breed of human. It's, you're it's like, a, you're it's a, a different Todd person. McCorder breed. Like it's that quick, you know, that, that style of breed of people that those are the ones I've surrounded myself that became friends with. And I'm like, these guys are freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and this is like, this episode so far has been like the ideal besides the technical difficulties, but this has been like the ideal, like cast. This is like when I first pitched it to me, uh, to Nick about doing this, I was like, I want just to meet like some sharp, I bet you, cause there's so many alumni in there that we don't even know who are just super cool people who went on and did great things and have amazing stories to tell, have a great, like, you know, 
uh, have a great perspective on Southwestern in that they knew that it was a really good thing for them, but that also uh, recognize its, its imperfections and, and, and we're okay with them and can discuss them. This has been, this is great. I, I want to hear you had, you were telling us about the, the, uh, uh, mad crapper story. You had a, a, a you were telling us about a, a, a host family story. And then I think you had a pony story. Can we, I'm, I need to hear these now. Yeah. So, okay. So this is probably my favorite. Uh, I have two favorite stories from Penn, when we were selling in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes. And uh, we were staying in a host home that Marcel Mayer had found and he had stayed in like a couple of years back. And like somehow we ended up, it was this nice old couple. And, and it's the first week. And uh, there's this kid who his dad sold books as well. So his dad sold books like 30 years earlier. Kid was really excited. <laughs> car got in like a car accident, like on the way to sales school. So he had to have a bike and his dad was driving his car out. So in the middle of that, it's like the middle of the maybe fifth or sixth day. And uh, I'm working right in the territory. So I finished right at like, I have calls to do whatever stack calls, get home like right at 9.38, right? There's, there's a, um, I don't think he would care if I say his name, whatever. Anyway, basically he's sitting there on the couch and uh, I'm like, dude, what happened? And he goes, well, he's like, I was out in front of this house and I, I really had to go to the bathroom and I, I was walking, you know, and I, I kept knocking on doors to try and like use a bathroom. No one would let me in. And there was this girl who at this house and she's, oh and she said, no, you can't. I had to go to the bathroom man. I had to go. So I went, oh, no. did my business. And then I obviously had to go to the, you know, somewhere to clean myself up. So he goes, I go to the gas station clean myself up, walk out, my cell phone rings. And they say, hi, this is Pittsburgh police department. Is this blank, blank, his name. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, yes. They go, don't move. Where are you at? And he's like, Oh God. So they come and they write him a violation for that literally said defendant defecated on Platon's property. Note most disgusting thing I've ever seen. That's what the ticket for three hundred dollars said. Anyway, he goes, "How did you find?" Oh, only three hundred bucks. He goes, "Your book, your backpack, which is book bag, he had left right next to the in in there because he didn't want to carry it, oh, right?" So my anyway, the girl God. I guess had called him in for crapping in, in her yard, right? So anyway, the so I was like, "Hey, like, let me take care of you know whatever." Like Chris Fugman, I think may have paid the fine just so he could put it on his wall, possibly. Of the of the uh, um, you know yes. the citation, which is hilarious. Anyway, so anyway, the next day, we're out and I'm knocking on doors, and all of a sudden, some lady goes, "Wait, do you is this like part of the Mad Crapper?" And I was like, "What are you talking Wait, what? about?" She goes, "Check this out in the newspaper. Literally, there was an article <laughs> no. talking about a flyby night, the Mad Crapper." Who had been crapping in people's name in their lawns? I want to do that for summer year, instead of selling which books. Was awesome. <laughs> so he's known as the Mad Crapper, which is hilarious. <laughs> anyway, the poop that went viral before the internet. So funny. Epic. Then there was the then there was internet. another one where, like, just I, I mean, these are all just like first years of where we had to deal with stuff. So there was a another one where my buddy Greg, who I'd recruited from Yukon, super sharp dude, who uh, very successful. He'd be a good person to have on just as like, 
sold three summers, but just like, man, he is incredible in what, in who he is and what he does. So incredibly well-spoken anyway. Um, and I met him being drunk at my, uh, uh, at my sister's graduation. And then I just talked to him about selling books. We were drunk. And then he came to sales school the next week. It's pretty wild. <laughs> so books me for three summers, recruited a bunch of guys. Weird. Anyway. So Greg's out, out selling books for in Houston, Texas. And he is just jamming, right? Finally just gotten going is like third week, right? You know, your third week, you're like finally excited or fourth week. Yeah. You're starting to crush it. And I, Time to jam. And I call him on his phone and go, please let him be on the cell phone because the police had stopped me. And I had a first year with me. This guy, Jared Goff, I think was following me. And the police go, did you say Jared Goff, the quarterback for the LA Rams? Yeah, but his name is also Jared Goff. That's awesome. funny. He had a brother too. So anyway, so definitely not the same person. Um, anyway, he, um, so the police, like after we come, up, come out of the house, after I just sold some books and they're like, oh, I guess you're not these people, this guy. And I was like, what guy? And he goes, oh, like there's some guy who's been like, you know, like making them way into girls' houses and like molesting them. I was like, uh, well, can I say, you know, I'm just curious. Can I see the, you know, I see a lot of people out. Literally pulls up the Crime Stoppers drawing. It's my roommate. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, God. So Shit. I was like, you need to go to freaking work. He was the second year anyway. I was like, dude, you need to go freaking go back to work. I got to deal with this. So I call Chris Fugman, talk to Dan Moore, like whole thing. Figure what I'm doing. I go, let me see if I can get a hold of his cell phone. Call Greg. He answers. Not supposed to have cell phones on, but he answered. I go, Fuck. thank God you answered. I go, are you? He goes, dude, I'm busting through this Mexican neighborhood. I'm crushing it. So excited. And I go, don't move. Sit down under a tree. Do not knock on another door. I'm coming to get you. Don't move. Oh my so I, I come and get him. And I had a copy of it that we had looked up online. Literally, it's his face. But it was from, it, they were confused. It was something that happened six weeks before we had even gotten out there. Someone thought it was the same person, gave him description. Now his face was on it. So that was really Holy entertaining shit. dealing with that. And then just, you know, all the challenges <sighs> that came around that. And then it all of a sudden changed to his name is Eliov and he has a black Nissan Maxima. So, you know, it was a really entertaining uh -oh. summer. But uh, the last story I'll tell, which is the, and then I'll tell you my pony, one of the pony story is same summer in Pittsburgh, same UConn, different UConn student. This guy named Vlad, who, um, he's That's a good the name. Smartest, smartest kids I ever met, you know, <laughs> head of the newspaper, UConn, his vocabulary was so large. Like I didn't know. So he did nothing but read Mufus all summer, right? Oh my God. So he, so he's selling in Pittsburgh. I've got him in this area up North and he goes, Eliab, like people don't have checkbooks and money. I'm like, they do. I'll go follow you and see if it's like really that bad. Well, it was, it was bad, but it wasn't like terrible, <laughs> right? Like people, like we sold some books here and there. And so he starts getting excited. Anyway, next day after that, I get a I get a call from Nick, from my Nick who's now the magician uh, and Nick goes, hey uh, Vlad didn't come home, and I was like, what do you oh, mean he didn't come home? He's like, I don't know. He's not. So they start looking for him. All of a sudden, I get a call from a Bales bondsman. So the Bales bondsman, he goes, he goes, yeah, we, you know, Vlad is, uh, you know, this is Friday evening, okay? He goes, yeah, he's in, uh, you know, he's in jail. 
Um, you know, I'm the Bales Mond bin. I go, okay, like, you know, I've dealt with this before with book people. You know, hey, what is the, you know, what happened? And he goes, well, I can't really run into it too much, but here are the charges. And uh, I go, great, I'll come and, and bail them out, right? I go, yeah. what's the bail? And he goes, $10,000. Oh, <laughs> that's like, quite the severe $10, bail right $10,000? What did he do? So oh, no. anyway, apparently the store, uh, it took all weekend to get him out, but he basically, oh two cops come up to him and they go, uh, sir, where's your permit? He goes, I don't need a permit. I have the interstate commerce clause <laughs> and starts just like going on about Classic. interstate commerce. And then he goes, he goes, so I can do anything I want. They literally got him for like trespassing, resisting arrest. Uh, they really uh, get the poor kid. So God. anyway, it's like, I finally go to pick him up on, on, we go to pick him up on Sunday. I can't remember if it was me or if you, whoever it was. And, uh, and hey, Vlad's um, not here for the Sunday meeting. We're going to pick him up in a little bit. Um, he, he's oh, switching host families. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was bad. So anyway, he, um, so we finally got all the charges dropped on Monday. I guess it was Monday. Charges dropped, got him out, right? Yeah. Anyway, and he's, so we're doing our Sunday PC, right? He goes, he goes, you know, Eliav, I, you know, I had a pretty good week, you know, even though I was in jail. And I was just trying to get my demos done, man. And there was just like three guys. And I kept doing my pitch over and over again to these three guys. And it reminds me of you talking about like your, your grocery store, like talking in a grocery store, trying to like sell books. <laughs> walking through Walmart trying to sell books. Yeah, hey, I, I did that my first goes, day of my third time. But seriously, <laughs> all three of them are going to buy for me when they get out. <laughs> and then he goes, and then like the, and then he wrote a letter, which was hilarious because you write a letter to your dsm to your dsm like, yeah. in jail about all the stuff he had done in jail keep you a positive god. attitude all the stuff wow. and, oh my funny god story, but like there you know there there were so many like funny hilarious <laughs> things that happened but it was mostly in the end it ended up being once you're noel for three years you're just like you've heard everything so you're just like okay who do you have sex with what like weird thing do you do that you're not proud of uh, like just tell me so like i don't even care just tell me so like you can go crush this week and if you don't want to crush it don't tell me i just don't just let me know if you want to jam or not and that was literally all my awesome. pcs at that point so anyway uh, that's funny story uh i think i've got a couple really fun ones i think my favorite one was there was this girl kelsey who it was her first summer and she had not sold a, a single, like was just getting kick, ass kicked in California. We were in, in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Again. Uh, that same second, uh, third summer now, I guess I was in, in uh, Palo Alto, Menlo Park. Anyways, we're all selling. And uh, where my roommates are from is, oh, okay. is I crushed that area. Love selling rich, smart people. It's so fun. Right? <laughs> That's so easy. Massachusetts is good for that. Yeah, dumb people who don't get education. So, Anyway, uh, we go up to this door and she had not sold anything all week, right? So obviously she's a little off schedule too, but we go up to this house. I go to, I knock on the door and the lady just go, yells, come on in. So I'm like, great. <laughs> you I love those. Walk in the door. It's always a great right? story. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the book man. <laughs> well, I've got one over there. I'll tell you after that. So anyway, we end up walking in, sit down at the kitchen table. I go, yeah, I'm just showing some books. She goes, okay. I look over to my right. There is a these cardboard boxes like stocked up, like organized, like 10, 12 feet in this weird like castle rocket type shape. And I'm like, what is that about? <laughs> right? Because 
I'm just like, I'll just ask weird questions. I don't care. So she goes, oh yeah, like my five-year, my, or my six-year-old really likes to uh, build things. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, how's he doing school? And she goes, well, like he keeps getting kicked out of school because he keeps like biting and kicking and threatening the teachers and, you know, the kids. And I was like, all right. And I'm like, well, I've got some like educational books. And she goes, yeah, like the only thing he's really interested in is like how to like make bombs. Like, do you have any bomb recipes? And I'm like, what is going on? Like, Let me find the explore and learn that talks about explosives. Me, like, what is going on? So I just go, I go, well, we've got a chemistry section. So I literally start showing the chemistry section from the VLs, right? The volume libraries. Anyway, she ends up, she goes, that's cool. What else do you have? I'm like, well, I've got these. And she goes, what else do you have? This is Every great. Time yeah. She goes to me, she'd say, what else do you have? And then she goes, well, how much is everything? And I was just like, oh my God. 1400 or whatever it was. Dollars. And she goes, okay, do you want a credit card? <laughs> the car she was like no checkbook checkbook fair like this is right unfair that, like the kid is and you goes, she goes you just created the next unabomber eliav i was like yeah. hey <laughs> but it was 97 That's units funny. yeah so then the the um <laughs> the other one of just randomly walking into a house also a pony story i i knock on the door and she goes oh come on in and she starts walking me back. And so I just follow her back to the computer room and sit down on the couch. This is like oh deep in her house. God. And she goes, yeah, the computer's over here. Here's the stuff. And I go, I think you have someone confused of who I am. I am the book <laughs> guy. And she gets like, real like, oh God, why did I just let into my house? And I go, I'm just selling educational books. You probably know all these people. And eventually like she warms up because she knows some of the people. And uh Nice. And eventually she ends up buying books just so she could tell the story to her friends. You know, like she lets them like, random <laughs> in the house, you know, but like, heck yeah. The, uh, right. you know, and I'd love to say that there were a lot of like, la like that I was one of those guys who like, after selling nothing all day, I could somehow my last house drop a bag. I didn't, I was always envious of those guys who are such good salespeople, you know, that could do that. Like Steve Mann, he's another guy you should get on. Steve Mann, I remember hearing your story goes, I'm sitting on zero and it's 9.30 and I go to a trailer and literally the mom buys $1,400 of books and I go next door and she <laughs> buys another $1,400 and I finish yeah. with 230 Jesus. units. And I'm like, screw you, Steve. I've yeah. never done right? that. Damn. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of those. It was kind of like, you know, like most people at eight o'clock, I'd start freaking out. And I go, oh man, like I have to do something. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, I believed it my first couple summers. And then at points, like I just couldn't, it was hard at 9.30 to go. I'm going to keep going when I have other shit to yeah. do. Like I'll just leave my 24, 48 units for the day. And yeah, managing the first like, years, yeah. I was off today. And, but with the belief that tomorrow I'm going to hit probably 400 units because I literally got all the nose out of the way. So, you know, it's. Um, right. Yeah. Did you guys ever pet doors? Like actually pet the same door every morning? <laughs> um, there were there were definitely some doors that I singled out just so that I could get that early knock or that late Cats. knock. 
I didn't make it a big consistent thing. It was like usually like if I'm just in How one area for a little you bit. Think those people were that like every morning at oh, no, 731. Yeah. Eliab shows up to their door with a barking dog underneath the stairs. And I pet their door a little bit at nine at 731 <laughs> on the way to my territory. I did the same house every day my first year. So I could Saturday, say I knocked it at 731. Saturday mornings were rough to like even through like nine o'clock sometimes because people like to sleep in and you would like right you'd, you'd wake some people yeah. up oh the live video ended no it didn't it's still on something says live video has ended what the heck it says it's still jamming on here but it's oh that's interesting yeah huh. I got it pulled up how about how about any like uh crazy sexy encounters on the book field like any <sighs> particularly tempting moms or anything like that i know that people in your age group have some pretty wild I stories mean, that for I've the heard most of. part it was i mean i i remember uh was that Devin? i can't remember who it was but it was our it was his first day and i and i was like oh yeah just go in the backyard man just just walk right into the back if you can hear him back there talking oh and my it was god two, right uh, two what? half naked moms and oh. they were pretty surprised. Um, um, <laughs> but it's like, I saw a nipple. Like his, we had goals every day just to see, you know, like, you know, mom bends down, like trying to grab the kid and, you know, see too many nipples. <laughs> but I never had any moms try to, uh, try to go after me. I, I really, um, I mean, I definitely, it, it, I would have moms call other moms. And one mom said like, he's not hard on the eyes, you know, like, like that didn't hurt, but it was, uh, for the most part, I mean, I, pretty tame. It, it was really just like, my goal was, can I get a freaking like the principal and the second grade yeah. teacher who'd been there for 30 years. Cause then right. I know I'll set, have like 10, 15 customers for the day and I'll crush it if I can get right. those on. And, you know, Did um, that was what I was more than, you know, never, I, I just never, I, I guess I just wasn't smart enough or like, you know, whatever to like be that person who like moms thought they could somehow pick up or something. I know that Andres had a few moms come on to him. <laughs> Andres is one good looking dude. I mean, he's like a good looking know, Colombian, you know, sex man. Like, it's it's the mocha. It's the, the so there, this is a fun story with with um uh do you know Andres Rincon? Uh I I had been talked to about him before. And I think I might have came across him, but I, not that I he's, could like point him out of a crowd. Too, and and Andres and I, he were he was the one that we went surfing and ate sushi that day because we just never left the couch. And it was uh, like seven forty. Yeah. I go, "Are you working today?" And he goes, "No." I go, "You want to go? <laughs> you want to go surfing and eat sushi?" And I was like, "On my ninth, he was on his seventh summer. It was the best day ever, right?" Anyway, so during <laughs> that day, I was like, well, "We should at least go try and like sell some books real quick. Like, at least we don't both have zero days. Like, you just say you're following me." So we go to this house and this guy's name is, uh, last name is Leitner, right? Big house, basketball court, Duke blue. I don't know if you've ever heard of Christian Leitner, not Christian Leitner, that I called by the wrong name, didn't know who he was. And we walked into his house and Andres goes, this is Christian Leitner's house. Like <laughs> Hall of Famer, like part of the dream team. I had zero idea. Oh, and I'd literally damn. been calling him by the wrong name when I met him. And then his wife had like twin seventh grade girls at the time, bought like six, $700 worth of books. 
And then I used that name, but I kept calling him Leitner because I forgot how to say his name properly. I mean, there were a lot of those. Nope. Just like, but those were the days like, you're like, all right, let's just go and try to hit up Rothenberger's house. If you're in, you know, if you're in Philadelphia, like Pittsburgh, like yeah. you just save those for fun days. And you have a manager just to see if you can sell them books. And they always bought, right? And you just pretend you don't know who they are. Yep. You know, you go to the um, door and you're like, my name's up. They go, my name's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. that's cool. Am I supposed to know you? <laughs> like, Did you? So, so that was a, that was a, that was a famous person that you sold to or that you met. I, I, the most famous person I ever met, I loved it when you ran into like famous people. My brother knocked on Kevin Bacon's house, but he never, he didn't come to the door, but he was at his house. Wait, him too? For, I knocked on huh? Kevin Bacon's door. Yeah. Yeah. In upstate New York. And, um, uh, it's in Connecticut. The, the, the most famous, or it might have been, I don't remember where Danny sold, but my, the most famous person I sold to, or like I knocked on or actually talked to was Mario Andretti what yeah Ooh, and i'm a huge formula one fan so like i i mean wow. it was in nazareth pennsylvania and he apparently just like goes and gets ice cream in that town and just like hangs out like too super nice to people very humble dude and i was selling in the street that he was working in, and the people were like have you been to the big house and i'm like no who who is that and they're like it's mario andretti and i was like wait like the formula one champion like driver and they're like yeah and so i said Okay, I'll be right back. And I, I mean, he's way too old to buy books, but I'm like, I gotta just go knock on this door. Like, you don't just not knock on Mario. So I show up and his wife is outside. She's smoking a fat stogie. Obviously they're Italian, right? They're so uh, for context. And he, she's just sitting there just, I mean, fat. And I pull up and I'm like, uh, hello. I think I might be at the wrong place. I'm just selling books. And she's like, uh not here but there might want some next door and then so then he comes at us like because he saw i pulled up he's like oh everything okay i'm like yeah i'm just andres uh selling books uh I, wait are you are you mario andretti and he's like yeah <laughs> and so i'm like damn i'm a huge fan of the formula nice oh uh, yeah and then his the, the reason she said next door is because his son michael andretti lives next door wow. and he had kids and so I went over and he had, his gate was closed and so I didn't get to go in there, but it was the f most famous person I think I've met knocking doors. So I kept uh, in my second summer in Fremont, California, I kept knocking on MC Hammer's house over and over. Yes. Every day I'd go to the goddamn date. Gate <laughs> never let me in. I kept trying. I was like, I want to meet MC Hammer. I did sell to the, to the CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield. And that was oh, a gate that's ring. Big. And I just used names and she let me in and it was a marble house. Like the, it was the enormous property. It was out in Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh. And that was like the like most wealthy person that, and she bought, you know, like, she's like, what should I buy? I was like, how about these things? And she just got some cash, you know, and gave it to me. But um, there was, a, my favorite story was actually Peter Stoiloff. who's a good dude to have on to some point. He sold yes. for six or seven summers. Peter sold LeBron James books. And didn't know who LeBron James was, I Wait, think, at the time. You're fucking kidding like, me. And wow. called him. He goes, Yeah, I think it was some famous guy, but like the like his name is like like James LeBron or something. <laughs> and no he, freaking so here's what's way. crazy. His girlfriend at the time, because they it was when they were redoing their house, and it was like this five thousand square foot house, smaller house, and his girlfriend answered the door and gave the credit card, and the credit card 
declined because for whatever reason. So he called up and LeBron James gave him a credit card. I can't remember the whole story. I may be telling it wrong, but like that's crazy. At the end of the summer, he got a photo and all kinds of stuff. But like, you know, I, I always no found that those guys the, be- the less you know who they are, the cooler they are. They appreciate like that you don't know who they are. Because I have famous people come with me ballooning all the time. That's fair. Yeah. And I just fuck with them because they're huge football players. And I go, oh, are you like, you like, do you like bowling or something? You're huge, man. And they're obviously <laughs> a Seahawks player. I'm just not right. going to go like, hey, do you play for the Seahawks? Yeah. Like they're there to do a balloon ride. And have I need to pet the ego. Yeah. You know, or like I had, you know, all these, you know, um, famous soccer players, you know, from, uh, they come and fly with me too, from the women's team that won the world champions. And, you know, her and her girlfriend had come flying. No like, way. I can't their names anymore. But, like, I didn't know who they were either. I'm, like, flying the balloon. And she goes, what is this over? I'm just curious if I get to practice. I was like, like, play practice? She's like, soccer. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Do you play, like, intramural? Or <laughs> I had no idea who it was. And she was, like, a gold medalist. Pick like, up? Wow. Some some girl. I don't know. Like Rampino, the one with the hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's her girlfriend. So I actually think I have a photo. She flew in your hot air balloons? Yeah, so I took her and her girlfriend balloon. Let me see if I can find the the video of her. Uh, where is it? Uh, I it take me a while. She's a badass. But yeah, I was Megan and her girlfriend, who's also a soccer uh, um yeah. a big uh, English soccer player. Yeah, uh, her girlfriend, yeah, yeah. long brown wow. hair. Nice chick, but yeah, she's just wearing like a Nike blackout, you know, black sweats and sweatshirt. And we went flying in the Green River and I touched the water and had a great flight. And once I found out she's a professional soccer player, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't uh, make sure it's a real damn soft landing because if I hurt her, I'm people are going to hate me. Yeah, you'll ruin the soccer team. It's the same (laughs) reason I didn't, uh, you know, like we're friends with KJ Wright from the Seahawks and I've taken his wife and daughter flying and he crewed for me with my wife driving the truck and KJ just picked up the whole hot air balloon with one arm. And I was like, KJ, stuff doesn't work out. You can always come crew for me. (laughs) Yeah, man. Really good dude. But like, just a great guy. Like I, I, so that's why I love ballooning too. It's like, you get to meet just like fascinating, interesting people. Yeah. You know, you got to get Russell Wilson in your, in your, on your, on your balloon. He'll lie. Him and Sierra, (laughs) they got to come on your balloon. I'll, I'll, I'll join you for that one. Just, you know, you know, you know. I, uh, the, the way you do that is you get a, so I, my buddy, his, um, who used to work with, that's his brother-in-law. Um, so he's, he's, connected. he's a good dude to this guy, Christian, but, um, uh, the way that you do it is you have a nonprofit. So this is what I, how I try to meet famous people all the time. This is my secret. <laughs> Ready? Don't tell anyone my total secret. I don't care. We're just Basically, only telling the world. <laughs> here's how a nonprofit, nonprofits need to raise money, right? Yeah. Everyone wants people to donate expensive, cool things like hot air balloon rides. I get 200 letters a month, two to 300 phone calls a month, emails, people wanting me to donate balloon rides. So I just say, Interesting. hey, you can do it at a discount of 25%. You can sell it. You make, you'll make a couple hundred bucks for your nonprofit. I go, but if you really want to crush it, do you <laughs> know any celebrities or famous it. people? And then they say, <laughs> yes. And I go, you probably have other people who want time with them. Who want to meet them? Maybe they're a big uh, of a company. Maybe they're a celebrity. Buy a private hot air balloon ride. It's fourteen hundred for the sunrise flight. I'll give it to you for a thousand, and then you'll be able to sell it for three, four, five thousand dollars. So I help nonprofits raise ridiculous amounts of money awesome. by helping them understand how to do it. 
And I just nice. tell them you'd find your own damn celebrity because I'm not giving you mine. But yeah, like, right. I think it's cool enough to get to fly with me. I'm a celebrity, right? Okay. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Um, but cool. like, that's the way you do it. And so I ended up meeting some really interesting people that way too, um, who buy those at the events, at, you know, and then yeah. I get to make a difference and it's fun. But, you know, that's the- That is so and, crazy. And I land at celebrities places on purpose too. Like, cause I look them up on the map where they live so I can land in their yard. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the best way- Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, Russell. Hot air balloon in your yard, you know. Right. Are you Russell? Oh yeah, look at you. That's so cool. they, they unfortunately, they, I've looked up all their properties, but I went to KJ's wedding. So I got to meet a lot of them, which was neat. But the, uh, the guy I'm trying to land at, his property is, uh, it's the general manager of the Seahawks. Nice. And he's got a 50 yard field as part of his property. So Big the perfect land and takeoff spot. So I fly over it every once in a while. So I'm just going to go, once they move in, I'm going to go land there. So otherwise <laughs> I just text like different guys from the Seahawks that I have friends. I do go, Hey, uh, Hey, I flew over your Let general manager's yeah, house again. Fun. Here's a photo. Like, you know, that's fun. One of these that's days I'll land there good. when he's actually home and you know, um, maybe take his family up or see if I can launch from there sometime. Damn, dude. Okay, well, hold on a sec. So I gotta hop off. It. Nick, um, I have to hop off because I have to have a commitment at nine. But here's a couple things. Couple things. One, I need to have you back on here. Would you be open yeah. to that? Yeah, for sure, man. I think I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about and to drive some really. Um, I think there'd be some interesting conversations with a couple people together cool. that okay. we're all like yes. OLs working together and talking about some of those different yeah. I think there's different levels in the podcast you'll get. Now I run the ballooning podcast where I, you know, I do this with hot air balloon pilots from across the world, 500 to a thousand. I'm obviously listen to what I do, but what I do is I bring on, like, if I'm doing about hot air ballooning competition, I bring on the national champion of comp of competition. I bring on the head of the competition division, the balloon Federation of America. I bring in the women's world champion. Yeah. And I have three of them on there to then ask questions. They can ask each other questions, chat about stuff. Because instead of just the two of you guys, it, it, it creates a different experience. Yeah. With three. Yeah. Um, and also then you can, you know, even if it was combating like someone who jammed with student handbooks and someone who's obsessed with the VLs, like do a jam out of why the other one sucks. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you should have like, um, but doing ones like that that are around um, specific themes, yeah, I think you'll find will be really fascinating to people. Who I go, like this. This yeah. is cool because I want to listen to this theme of like the best ways to like for the best p how how you have the best PC conversations and how you now utilize those in your job as a sales director yeah, manager. I now let's go skills. through those and how you utilize and go this because then it's like you're bringing value to those people yeah, as well. Absolutely. Versus just like, hey, this is fun and cool. Like, and there's some context we talked about that I think is fascinating. You know, that we didn't go yeah. like really deep into contextual bots and like, I can show you some in the way, the why yeah. we do that, which is interesting. But I think if you find like themes around it, it'll be really fun. And then you can yeah. go back to what we're actually doing in life. And then that becomes more interesting of a real following where you go- That traction oh, begins to truly build, something. yeah versus just like hey here's fun cool stories and as you guys start to shift that's what i did i first was just doing interviews asking like some dudes weird adventures in antarctica flying hot air balloons still cool nice. right but when i started getting and i get like 10 15 people to get hundreds it was you're bringing real value from here's what i learned thank you for this input yeah I applied it in specific situations yeah. 
And I think people will be into that. I really do. And I think you can then um, do it through go, you know, do it through uh, through zoom where you invite people based on the email. So they register for it, start to build the email list up. So people really know it's up and coming. Mm. And that's how then each week can go, here's what we're going to talk about. Nice. If you're a salesperson, here were like the top people and the oh, people that were at great. Southwestern who now are number one at their company nice. and how yeah. they may apply certain skills or, or how they utilize. So you have a familiar like training um, or like people own their own small businesses now and how you apply those things you've learned from Southwestern, but specifically what you do to now crush it. Mm. Like those are, that's interesting for me that I'd like to hear because I think it's actually valuable versus it's still valuable and interesting. It's just, there's no reason to come every week to go, what am I going to learn besides like hearing someone else's right. stories? And I think you'll, I think that's a way you scale this where then other people want to listen in that didn't sell books, which was one of your goals, Andres, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah. other people should be interested. They're not interested in the funny stories. They're interested in what They're are the success the principles yeah. and the things that you learned? And then how do you apply those? And how can I apply those same skill set in something I'm doing to crush it in my job and, or, or my business or, or something? There's something there that I think is going to be where this will start to shift. Hmm. And you'll start to yeah. do something really powerful. I think that's where where it starts. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super open to all that stuff, and I and 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 like again, I would like to have even just a conversation with uh, with you just to pick your brain a little bit about how you were yeah. able to scale your podcast. That'd be awesome. And also just yeah. to have uh, to see who else you think we we should invite because I I love part of what I love about this is I'm catching up with people I know, and I'm excited about those guests. And it's sure. great. But some of this part of the what's made this fun is i've actually met people who i didn't know of a month ago you know and, right. and and such crazy stories and such amazing like backgrounds yeah. and what you've done for example is such an amazing thing where you took what you you know there are other guests as well but like it's just you're someone who i've never met you know and so right. that that feeling of meeting them for the first time on the air or like while we're live is such a cool uh concept to me about this podcast nice. and so yeah I, I for sure want to keep that up um uh, so yeah, I look forward to keep talking to you and, and, and man, like such a cool thing that we did in college that has like, in what world would I meet you? I'm, I was born in Columbia. You're in Seattle and you did all, you know, it's just because of Southwestern that we came together and the, I don't, I don't know your kids' names. I don't even know your wife's name, you know, my <laughs> names, but like, but we have this bond because we sold. Right. It's as if we're like cool. tight friends, even though we literally know nothing about each other. Yeah. That's like yeah. the, and like in five years, you can come back and like hang out with your old Southwestern buddies. You haven't talked to like <laughs> 10 years and you're like super tight somehow. I would definitely suggest having a, having Nate Foss and Shane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shane Weathers. You, yeah. Did you message me about them? Was that you? No, but you should. Somebody else did. Dude, and they're somebody, the that, two Nate funniest has... guys together. I would watch that entire thing for five hours because they're we freaking hilarious. The other guys that uh, that you need to need to definitely have on together would be, uh, I def I'll connect you with Nick Roy because he's just freaking a cool magician. He'll do some magic stuff for you too, probably. Yeah, yeah, I'll bring fun. him on. Um, and uh, um, Quail Hodak. And then Quail Hodak and and Todd McClure. I mean, Quail, they're yeah. two, each one of them is so good in what they do. They have to be individual ones. But I would find like those people together that work together for multiple summers, because you'll find that it'll be a different dynamic that'll be really fun, I think. 
Um, okay. And yeah. and I have some ideas that we could talk about after you know. Yeah, like, sure. Uh, I'll scout. I'll scout. I'll scout you. You like maybe like a Zoom with Nick, and if we can, to just to like actually just talk about podcasting things uh, that I have some ideas that I have for this to run by you and see what you think, and yeah. kind of maybe if you could point me in the right direction. It doesn't have to be too long, but that would be great. Uh, but as far as like we'll stay in touch. for tonight, yeah. As far as for tonight, man, this is ah, I'm pissed off about my technological problems that I had. Get that uh, new computer. Yeah, I am the new computers on its way. <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> anyway. So working on that and just eating problems for breakfast, you know, bookman style. But th- thank you so freaking much, man. This is yeah, this is it was awesome a, meeting both you guys, and it was and it was mm-hmm. fun. And you know, if there's another time that you you know want to do a deep dive into like how you how you do context and then bring that into a chatbot world of Southwestern exact yes. context. I'm, I'm putting together a Ted talk right now about that specifically Ooh. with that. And then the other one is why I'm afraid of heights and I'm a hot air balloon pilot. Nice. So that's <laughs> the two Ted talks I'm working on right now for TEDx that I'm applying is uh, specifically awesome. around contextual in how chatbots and selling books and how working 80 hours a week selling books door to door creates the bet is why we create the best contextual chatbots because of that. Mm. Uh, because of transactional mm. sales understanding so that is Andres, get out of here you got your time commitment yeah i'll, I'll talk to y'all in the future awesome, i'll guys. upload Cheers. this episode tonight all right see you in the chat see you guys oh so great oh love this.